Okay, so we're back for another podcast. This week we have the lovely Samantha Peck, and she is a total rock star. So before we get started with the, you know, the questions we have for you, Sam, I'm, you know, I'm going to ask you if you could do a little introduction and give give our audience an idea of who you are and what you're kind of about, uh, you know, without delving too deep, because that's where the questions are for. Great. Thanks. Uh, so I'm Sam Peck. I'm the executive director of Family Council of Ontario. It's a, in my opinion, awesome charitable not-for-profit that helps families engage in the long-term care sector as as partners and advocates and allies. Um, I love this work because I get to help groups of people achieve their potential, and I think that's what we're going to talk about here today. Yeah, absolutely, and I love that because I do know that what you do is is very, very important. And a lot of people, you know, I don't think really know how this works. They, you know, people get older and then put them in long-term care. You know, what's my responsibility? What am I doing? But, you know, all these different things and how does this work? And so, yeah, it's really amazing what you're doing. So how about we get started with the questions, all right? Okay. So now the first one I've got is, how do you know it's time for your loved one to transition to long-term care? And how can you, as a family caregiver, manage that transition? Each family situation is so different. So really, it's what the transition is dependent on, I think, a number of factors. The the care needs of the person who's going to be moving into long-term care. The vast majority of long-term care residents uh, over the age of 85 have multiple underlying health conditions most, you know, upwards of about 70% have a diagnosis of some sort of cognitive impairment like dementia. So that's often what um, puts people, puts families in the position of needing to make that decision, that transition, where they they can't care safely or well for, for their loved one at home. And caregiving's hard. Uh, caregivers in the community, it's it's 24-7. And so there's a high degree of caregiver burnout, to be frank, because there isn't enough home care uh, Mm -hmm. available for folks. So it's usually a combination of what the the resident who's going to be moving into long-term care needs, um, often with uh, some sort of crisis at this point around dementia or care needs, and the family just not being able to to do it anymore, which is not a failure on their part. Uh, absolutely not. It's just they they can't do it anymore. So you act like is it kind of like a consultant's role, like like to some degree to help everybody that's involved in the equation on how to do this, manage expectations, figure things out. Uh, it, it's kind of like that. I mean, I I don't mean to make it simplistic, not at all. I, no, I yeah yeah. yeah it's like- very, we we help. Um, families to, I mean, our end goal is to help them form effective family councils. So that way the groups of their peers who get together for advocacy, problem solving, education, and and fundamentally peer support. So we do a lot of consultation to help them um, through the long-term care journey so that they can become uh, good advocates and allies with the long-term care home and their peers to support all of the residents in the long-term care home. Wow, that's great. We love it. So what skills do you think long-term care, you know, caregivers need to, um, you know, create or develop better engagement with residents' families? And the, 
uh, you know, especially those relatives that used to uh, be full time family caregivers. Yeah, so long term care home staff, so the, the paid caregivers as opposed to the essential family caregivers really need an emphasis on on good customer service on and really the fundamentals. So uh, communication uh, and especially things like how to commu- communicate with someone who is obviously in distress, that transition to long term care is is very challenging for for folks. There's kind of a perfect storm of an emotional response. There's, you know, anger being in the position, uh, grief knowing that this is likely the last per- place their person's going to live, um, guilt around uh, having to make that that decision. And when I say make the decision, it's you know if they're the substitute decision maker, so on behalf of their resident yep. can't consent. Um, and sometimes it's relief that there is now going to be someone else who's the 24-7 care caregiver. So staff need to be able to respond to and understand that perfect storm of emotion, which can make people act in ways they wouldn't normally. So adding that, uh, so conflict resolution skills, helping families get the support that they need inside or outside of the long-term care home. Um, and, you know, a lot of, you know, cultural competency to to affirm uh, the different cultural needs that that residents and families have. Ontario is a diverse place and staff need to be able to um, have respectful and affirming conversations about the role of someone's culture in their care and what what that really means, because at the end of the day, staff are there to provide you know, high quality, appropriate care to residents, but they're also caring for the family as well. And they need to be able to do that well. Yeah, that's a very important point. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of times I think people sometimes, you know, I hate to say this, but I've known a couple of cases through through the years where people were kind of like, they put the the loved one in the the home and and, and now it seemed like a babysitting service or something Mm -hmm. where they, they, you know what I mean? And I think that's really too bad. And then they hardly ever see them or anything. Well, you don't have to worry about it anymore. And I think that's that's actually not good, obviously. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not good for that person that's in there. And then second of all, you know, they need to be involved. They need to be taking mm-hmm. some level of ownership for sure. So uh, this kind of touches on the next question. Is what is the role of family councils in long-term care and how can families make the most of them? So family councils are, I think, are, are pretty special. So in Ontario, they are defined and they're actually in the legislation governing long-term care. So if any family member of a resident or a person of importance to a resident, now that's a term that means pretty much anyone who's important to a resident but doesn't meet the strict definition of a family. So family by choice, um, substitute decision maker, Residents know who their important people are. Um, So those folks um, can form a family council. And that's where these groups of people get together on a regular basis to do peer support. So helping each other through the emotional uh, experience of long-term care, providing information and affirmation. Uh, They do education. So learning about issues that affect them and their loved ones. Like how does the how do menus get developed or what medications are available for Parkinson's, that sort of thing. Um, and then help to be the bridge between the home leadership and families in the home. So a communication role and 
to help solve issues or work on quality improvement needs because families bring to the table uh, a wealth of experience and knowledge and uh, and lived volunteer professional experience that they can contribute to the long-term care home to solve you know tricky issues or identify areas for improvement and so every family member or person of importance or resident uh, is a member of that group and is entitled to be an active member so they can attend meetings um you know ask for something to be agenda things like yeah. that yeah no i think that's really great because you know a lot of times what happens in life and this is true of everything is if you're not engaged and involved mm -hmm. and then when you have to do something you could have benefited from all that stuff that would have saved you so much grief so much time so much effort so much frustration because you know people don't need to reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. it's already out there Absolutely. and it's just a question of yeah being tapped into that so i think that's wonderful good for you so what are the things that all long-term uh, care staff members need to know to provide a better experience to residents and families First, families and residents have something to contribute to the long-term care home. They can be excellent allies. So if, and that's my point about, you know, lived professional volunteer experience, tap right. into that. Um, yeah. Use your families and your residents, ask them for their input. Um, know how to have difficult conversations around, you know, end of life care. What does palliative care mean? What's culturally appropriate? what what sort of activities uh do residents enjoy and you know and then on a you know higher level what does the system need to put into place to respond to not only residents today but those in the future so there's a big emphasis for example on um wi-fi in long-term care homes because the residents of tomorrow will bring their devices with them so you know having your point. yeah your tablet, you know, being able to watch Netflix in different languages, that's something we need to prepare for. And families, that's just right. an example, but I'm pushing for that because that's what the future needs. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, things change. Like there's there's so much that that's exactly the same people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're right that that we are a connected society now and, uh, and people are, are not going to want to live without that. And that. And that was really actually what I think a lot of things happened in the pandemic. I used to say to people that we might be upset the schools are open or the next person's upset the schools are closed or the next person's upset that this is not working, you know, whatever. I said, the truth of the matter is for me, as far as I could see, when you read between the lines, it was just they were upset they were inconvenienced. Mm. And you know what I mean? Because we've built this world of leisure, of immediate, like everything's mm -hmm. right now. There's no waiting. Nobody has attention span for a while unless they get hooked on something on Netflix, right? But <laughs> let's be honest, it's true, isn't it? So you better believe that when people, you know, get older and they get in the home, they're going to be expecting to have broadband connection uh, to be able to stream whatever content. And that's everybody. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine what what is going to be needed to ensure that in case any of this infrastructure is old, what's going to have to be put in place to make that happen. And that's just one aspect of it. I mean, I... So I, I get what you're saying. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your work and how it uh, makes a difference for family caregivers? And this is probably going to be my favorite question, really, because it, I know really at the end of the day, Sam, 
-hmm. There's lots of people doing these kinds of things. I know you're a very special and amazing human being. And I really think this is where the big difference is going to come is what Sam brings to the table. So it's all you. All right. So, uh, so as I said, <laughs> I, I love helping people in groups figure out solutions to to you know wicked sticky problems and so uh, even over the I guess, 14 years I've been doing uh, this work with family councils there's been a lot of change and yeah. there's been rightfully so a demand for better but how do we define better how do we define what uh, you know what parts of long-term care are broken parts are but not everything is there are some really, you know, bright lights um, in the sector, homes and families that are doing really creative things, new models of care that have been developed, you know, Butterfly, Eden Alternative, Greenhouse, the City of Toronto's unique approach, but it's all driving towards better. And through that, you really need to involve families and your family councils in that. And so the work that that I do um, as executive director, you know, helping an amazing team uh, of folks uh, in their work and their portfolios, but also having some of the more difficult conversations um, with the sector, with policymakers, and also with, you know, individual homes. Uh, so a lot of my work right now is how do we drive better in equity? How do we make sure that homes are uh, responsive to the cultural needs of residents and families. So food, um, an example I like to use is, uh, and it's also about, you know, the risk reward balance because everyone lives with risk. Um, you know, if a resident who has high blood pressure uh, needs to eat less salt, but grew up eating soy sauce with every meal, let them have some soy sauce because that's a pleasure of life that we should all have access to yeah. um, and to stop, you know, infantilizing older adults and residents and let them live with some risk. Um, have hard conversations around, you know, racism and homophobia and transphobia to and other aspects of oppression to ensure that long term care homes uh, really are communities where everyone feels safe and that they belong. Um, because Ontario is a diverse place and we need to be culturally affirming uh, through our healthcare and social settings. And so I get to be a bit of a, a troublemaker in a little, in, in small, fun ways to have these difficult conversations with, with folks and to um, you know, really reinforce that even when a, a family caregiver or a family counsel to home relationship is is damaged and it happens um, and you can say falls on both sides and truth is somewhere in the middle but there's always potential for repair and for relationship building and that's often where I come in is to help identify where relationships can be built or improved and to really advocate across the sector for authentic, meaningful family engagement that honors what everyone has to contribute because every family member does have something important to contribute to that long-term care home. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you know, it's it for me and maybe others too, they kind of think, oh, well, this doesn't sound, you know, really that hard or anything, but I know when that time comes, we've all been in that place where someone is close to, to, to dying mm -hmm. and they might be in the hospital or they might be in a long-term setting. They may be even still at home. 
and it, it's it's really difficult. All of a sudden, there's there's problems within the family. It's how we're going to handle things, how things are going to be done. There's other people who are not engaged at all because they can't handle it at all. They either are going to make up excuses or whatever. And so, you know, it's kind of, it, it's great because when you're having some of these difficult conversations with long-term care and the families and, you know, all these people that are the obviously involved in the whole thing, uh, that has to happen. It has to. It has to be dealt with. Everybody has to to understand. And I liked your approach on the fact that there was this, you know, like they let people be people. Let them enjoy their soy sauce, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you have to because it's it's not a case of, oh, let's withhold everybody. That's why I always jokingly say that most kids get raised knowing one word real well through their whole <laughs> part of their lives. No. And, uh, and so I know when I was raising my kids, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to keep saying no all the time. I'm just going to ask that, you know, certain things that make them think about it. Mm -hmm. Right. But then, you know, if they're wanting to do this, then they kind of know now the boundaries and they know all the different things where there's where there could be a problem. But mm -hmm. the focus is on what could be done rather than how it's always no, no. And that's really just because some people are lazy. They like some parents don't want to have to do the work. And I think we kind of take that stuff throughout mm -hmm. life. So suddenly someone's older and they're going into a home and people are like, well, you know, I don't want to be bothered with this. I don't want to, you know, and then those difficult conversations come up. And, you know, so, yeah, you're right. hundred um, percent. I think it's great, Sam. All right. So last but not least, mm -hmm. you're, you're doing these things and you're having these, um, these tough conversations, um, you know, for you as a person that you find that that helping people as you said is you know is so fulfilling and i get that and i love doing that um is there anything else that like at what point well let me put it to you this way at what point in time does a family does a, anybody reach out to you and say hey we need to engage with you when what does that look like that could be, could be at any time but you would want to sort of plan wouldn't you or something a little bit in advance rather than come to you last second freaking out would that be yeah so um we're also really lucky to work with with our partners as well so part of the the answer to this right. is leverage our partners so ontario caregiver organization which works with caregivers in all settings so they do some referrals to us we do to them as well um, so we might get calls coming in through them, uh, Ontario Long-Term Care Association, Advantage Ontario, all the different op uh, home operators that we work with. So they might refer um, uh, a family to us to who's looking for information and advice. So we do a lot of information and referral, but a lot of what we do is someone saying, you know, either we want to start a family council because my home doesn't have one, or we're having some, some troubles here two uh, main areas. So uh, often that goes through Leanne Polisi, who's our client services manager. She's our intake expert um, and will help with some problem solving there. Sometimes then it's, you know, we send someone out to do a presentation, you know, how to start a family council, how to do some, um, manage some, some challenges there. So we'll send out Natasha Dupuis, who's our uh, outreach manager. Uh, when things get really sticky and tricky, and there's a lot of conflict in there, which which happens, it's normal. Um, Tiffany Fearon's our clients. She's actually was our client services manager, but is now our policy and research manager. But she's our conflict resolution expert. So her and I, and usually Leanne, will come in and do some problem solving with the parties to the conflict. Get everyone's side, um, then figure out an action plan going forward. 
So that's often uh, what'll happen. You know, there's the low level. This is an easy thing to to address. Give out some info, um, help to start, or you know, do some workshopping around a family council issue. If that's not enough, we got to do something that's a little bit more in depth. And so we'll come in um, for that. We've also got um, a really cool project I, I want to talk about, which is uh, anti-racism. So building bridges, which is really focused on peer and mental health and emotional support for those who have experienced racism within long-term care, because it happens. Um, and then also building capacity amongst caregivers and home staff to have better conversations and relationships through compassion inquiry and nonviolent communication. So that's led by Dinesh Ram, who's, uh, who's a fantastic um, facilitator, educator, and, and problem solver. So we have a few different things that we make available. And then on our, our back and administrative end, Kathleen Edwards is a, our education manager and a curriculum development expert. Uh, and Leah Cabral is our, our comms manager. So shout out to my team, because they're all awesome. Um, and then where I come in is if they get stuck or uh, need some insights, I've been here the longest, but also I talk to the sector as a whole and you know bring, to the surface the issues that they encounter in their work so that I can take a more of a high level systems level approach to driving change within um, within the over 600 long-term care homes in Ontario. Yeah well that's really great and I loved how you how you actually name people and said the amazing things they're doing which uh, I, I, I love doing that like you know I'm always uh, praising people on our team and uh, because we have a great team and caring support um it, it allows us to do all these wonderful things mm -hmm. like laura looks after setting up podcasts and she's a really awesome human being uh so i'm really lucky that's how i see it it's mm -hmm. because i'm not going to be able to do all these things myself and i'm not going to even pull it off to even remotely close to the same execution because you know my concentration is over here and then there's you know i'm trying to find different people and do different things but when somebody helps put it all together, it's beautiful. So that, that you know, this is what's important and, and uh, is understanding what each person brings to the table, the value they bring to the equation and what makes the family council, everything you're doing so amazing. So, uh, and that's pretty well it for time, but I wanna thank you, Sam. It was great to see you again. Um, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much. Great to see you. And if anyone has any you know, questions following up, you can just Google Family Councils Ontario. You'll find us and I encourage you to get in touch. Awesome. And you know what? We're going to put this out on all our social media and we are everywhere on social. So it's important that uh, I'll be sure to tag you on LinkedIn for sure, but certainly, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, uh, LinkedIn, of course, uh, and we will have this on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, you know what, Sam, thank you so much. You have an amazing day, okay? Thanks, James. Take care. Bye.